Take your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I, I truly believe that, that the same things that you want for your life are the same things that God wants for your life. The, the reality is, is, is most of us, probably all of us, we have the same desire for our life. We, we want our lives to be prosperous. We want our lives to be filled with joy and peace and, and contentment. Nobody wakes up today and says, man, I want today to be the worst day of my life. I mean, nobody wakes up that way. We don't, we don't think along those lines. And, um, you know, we, now some people, if you're around them long enough, you think they just love their bitterness and their anger. I understand that. But for most of us, we have this picture of what our life is going to look like. And I believe that's the same things as you read through Scripture, as you study through the Bible, that God wants for your life. The problem is that we have the wrong perspective about what that looks like and how to get there. You know, because what happens is we get wrapped up in the world and the world's view of thinking and we watch uh, Hollywood and we're on social media and we're, we're with people, lost people in this world. And, and so we begin to buy into the perceptions or the perspectives of this world about what it means to be prosperous, have joy, have peace, have contentment, and how to, how to get to those places. And so the world, it's about you know, the worldly things. It's about fame. It's about possessions. It's about friendships. It's about, you know, and we could throw all of these material world, world things of this world. I don't want to use the word worldly things because we have this connotation with that, but things of this world um, are the things that we view that we have to have in our life in order for us to have joy, peace, contentment, and to be prosperous. And God has a different perspective about what that means to be prosperous and to have joy, peace, and contentment and how we get those things. And so what happens is in the society, we begin to follow the ways of the world and so we, we become selfish and uh, we become self-centered. And, and it's all about, okay, how am I going to accomplish this instead of how can I serve God and, and how can I serve other people? And, and so we, we understand from a world's perspective, life's all about me. That's going to bring these things. We, from a biblical perspective, life is about God and life is about others. That's going to bring those things. And we have a hard time. We have a hard time because we see the glamour and the flash and all that that this world has to offer. And remember, Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. And he can make all of this stuff that looks good or all of the stuff that's evil look good where God even tells us that, you know, sin is going to be pleasurable for a season. But it has its ultimate end and, and destruction. And, and, and listen, people are running to drugs and immorality and fornication and, and, and to the wisdom of this world in order to, to gain these things and to accomplish what they think they want their life to be. And God is saying, wait a minute, you don't understand the foolishness of that lifestyle, the foolishness of that, of that thinking. Because what you believe is going to bring joy might make you pleasurable and happy for a moment, but ultimately it's going to bring destruction and death. But that which the world mocks, that which the world puts down, that which is biblical and true and, and, and of God and of his word, that which the world doesn't necessarily think is the greatest and best, 
will ultimately bring life and joy and prosperity and contentment and peace, the things that you truly want in your life. But, but as a Christian, we have to come to the place where we understand, listen, I want God and God's way and what God says is those things and not what the world says. And, and, and the truth is, I, I, listen, I can preach until I'm blue in the face and your parents can teach and, and train you. But if you don't come to the place in your life where, listen, I believe God and I want what God wants for my life. Listen, it's never going to click. You're never going to come to the place where there's change and transformation in your life. And unfortunately, there's many in this room that could testify. Yeah, I did it my own way. And here's the scars and the wounds. Because I did it my way instead of following God's way and God's plans. Hey, I came to realize my way was wrong, but I had to deal with the scars and deal with the problems. And I have all of this baggage because it took me a while to figure out the world's way is not the right way. What the world says is great is not great. And what God says is the right way. And we have to come to that place in our life and, and listen, we all have to come to that place in our life where we understand, listen, God's way is the right way. We have to do that way when it comes to salvation. Hey, listen, the world says it's about religion, it's about being good, it's about doing works, and it's about all that you can accomplish. And hopefully when you get to the end, your good outweighs your bad. And God says that is, cannot be further from the truth. God said, you are a sinner and there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. The only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. And that is why he came and he went to the cross and died for our sin. He died in our place and he took the wrath of God upon him. And he says, listen, if you by faith come to me through Jesus Christ and you receive the forgiveness of your sin, that only comes by grace through faith in Christ. It's not about works. You see, listen, we don't work and serve and, and do good and do right in order to earn favor with God. We come to God through Jesus Christ, and that and that alone gives us favor with God. But then we do the works because of what God did for us and who he is and who he is in our life. And so we have to understand that there's a difference between the world's way and the world's way of thinking and God's way and God's way of thinking. And come to the place in our life, okay, we want what God says and not what the world says. We want to do it God's way and not, not the world's way. And so here, here's the issue. God wants the same things that you want. And you're, listen, if you want to prosper, God wants you to prosper. But what does that look like? Well, you know, it looks like what, you know, I see on television and, you know, the, the, the money and the glitz and the glamour and all that. That's prosperity. Listen, that's not prosperity. That, that's not true wealth. And don't let the world deceive you into thinking that. Because some of the most miserable people in the world have all of the material things that this world has to offer. And yet they are just destroyed in their soul and in their spirit. It's not wealth. For many of them, it's, they, they find themselves in bondage. It's, it's, a, it's a master to them, and they are a slave to those things. It's not prosperity, but that's what I want. No, we have to come to realize what true prosperity is. Well, I want joy and peace and, and contentment and money and fame. It'll bring me those things. Listen, it won't. And we see it over and over and over and over again in this world. That those that seek to, to go against God and his word and, and those that seek the world's things, yeah, listen, they have pleasure for a season. And they buy those happy moments. But ultimately, it just ends in destruction and tragedy and despair in their life. But you know, some of the 
from a world's perspective, the, the poorest people, some of the people that, that, that aren't the, the most famous, they have the prosperity and they have peace and contentment and they have joy in this life. And so we have to come to the place where we, listen, realize God wants what we want. Well, if that's the case, then God is the creator of the world. He is sovereign. He's in control. And listen, I want to go his way and not the ways of the world. So then we have to ask ourselves then, okay, if God wants what I want for me in my life, okay, so how does God say we get it? How, how does God say we get it? Hey, listen, the world says, hey, hey, you listen, put yourself first. Put yourself first. You know, many have conflicts in this world um, with their spouse, with their coworkers, with their children, uh, simply because both parties are, are selfish. Because my life, and it's about me in this moment. It's about what I want and my contentment, my joy, my position, my status, my prosperity. And so therefore we have all these conflicts. Hey, listen, if your life is filled with conflict, I want to challenge you to examine your way of thinking in life. If you can't get along with other people, I want to encourage you to examine your life biblically. Because you're, I guarantee you, anytime I find that I'm in conflict with people, I, I realize that one or two of us, if not both of us, are selfish. And it amazes me how many times when I'm honest with myself in those moments, I realize, yeah, you were a little selfish in that comment that you made. I was a little selfish in that, in that statement or in that attitude or that action that I had because it was all about me in that moment. And see, the world says, okay, if you want these things, it needs to be about you. But God says, listen, if you want these things in life, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. So two weeks ago, we came to John chapter 15, and we began to look at this. And I got through my introduction. And, and, and we made the point that, listen, if you want to be who God wants you to be, you have to abide in Christ. And if you are going to abide in Christ, how do we do that? Well, you have to realize who you are in Christ and be who you are. Quit trying to be like the world. Quit trying to be like society around you and start being who God called you to be. There's a lot of times we, we reference that the God says, you know, all of these things, these sinful things and attitudes and actions, that's who you were, but that's not who you are anymore. So we need to be who we are supposed to be and do the things that we're supposed to do if we're going to abide in Christ. And so if I'm going to abide in Christ, I want us to get a fuller picture of this this morning as we go through these verses. So we're going to get to the three points that I had for last time that we were together. So number one, we're going to look at the metaphor that he uses here. The metaphor, chapter one, or 15, verse 1, he says, I am, and I want you to notice that word, tr the true vine. Or maybe if you have a different version, it says the genuine vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring, uh, may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So Jesus uses this metaphor of the, the vine and the branches. Now, remember the, the situation. He's getting ready to go to the cross. Here in 24 hours, he is going to be uh, on the cross and give his life for our sin. And he is preparing these men uh, for the time when he is going to depart and they are going to live and they're going to want to be prosperous and have joy and contentment. And he wants them to have those things and he wants them to understand that 
even though he is gone and not physically with them, he's not going to leave them nor forsake them, and they can have these things even after he departs. Now, what Jesus is saying here is he uses this metaphor, which would be a common metaphor in the nation of Israel, and they would understand what he is trying to say, because the grapevine was a symbol of Jewish national life for Israel. In Isaiah 5, 7, he states, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. The psalmist uh, refers to Israel as the vine in Psalm 80 when he says, You have brought a vine out of Egypt and planted it. And so as Jesus says, I am the true vine, what he's doing is he's contrasting himself with the nation of Israel. God has been working through Israel and they have failed and they have failed and they have failed. Now he sends Jesus and they reject him. And what Jesus says, listen, you've been looking to the old system. You've been under the, the law and you've been looking to the, the, the sacrificial system. And, and, and listen, it has failed and failed and failed. And every year you got to come back. But what I want you to understand is that I am the true vine. I am the genuine vine. And, and listen, it's not about religion and it's not about going through the nation of Israel any longer. It's about coming through me. And I want you to understand, Jesus is telling them, who I am and what I have done for you. Jesus was the sinless lamb of God. And Jesus is going to the cross to die for their sins. And he's trying to get them to truly understand, truly understand why he came and what he is going to do for them on the cross. And so as he uses this metaphor of the, the, the vine and, and the branches and the connection, he, they, they would understand as they walk through the, the valleys and through the lands, going from place to place, they would see vineyard after vineyard and they, and they would understand the picture that Jesus was trying to, to share with them. And then he tells them there the work of the Father that is going to take place in their lives and the father is going to deal with the branches that are not that are not bringing or bearing fruit and um and now listen when you come to this passage i have good friends that disagree with me on the interpretation of this um i i, I know they're wrong and they'll figure it out one day but um because they differ with me but there, there, is a, there is great debate on, on some of the interpretation in these verses, but I want you to understand, as a foundation, we, we cannot bring our theology to a passage, number one, and number two, we cannot pick a verse out and try to prove a, a certain theological perspective. And so many people will come to this and say, see, the branches that aren't bringing forth fruit, what it is, they're living in sin, and so God cuts them off, and now they're, they're, they were saved, and they're no longer saved. Some people would argue that these verses mean that these are people that profess to be saved, saved, but they're not. Uh, they were never saved. But I want you to notice what he says in verse number three. He says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. If you were to go back a couple chapters to John, John chapter 13, verse 10, Jesus is with his disciples and he begins instructing them and he says to them, you are clean, but not all of you. And the reason he says that is there was one still with them that wasn't clean, that wasn't a follower, and it was Judas. So now he, Judas has gone out to be, betray the Lord, and Judas is no longer there with him. And so now it's Jesus and the 11, and he says, you are now all clean. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, to true believers. So that brings us to our second point then. Number two, the relationship. The relationship. Notice verse four. 
He says, those of you that are clean, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And so the first point is we think about this relationship, we see the branches need the vine. And so this is what I want you to understand. Christians need Christ. Day by day. Listen, you, you cannot have eternal life without Jesus Christ. And so when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive eternal life. But day by day, the branches need the vine. And so Christians need Christ. You know, we, we preach all the time. You know, read your Bible, read your Bible, pray, spend time with the Lord, walk with the Lord. Why is that? Because day by day, if you want to be the person that is prospering in life, you want to have joy and peace and contentment in this world, you are not going to have those things. You are not going to have those things without Christ. And, and that's why he's telling his disciples, hey, I'm leaving you, but listen, you can have all of these things that I want you to have that you want to have in your life if you abide in me. And see, Christ must be the center of every aspect of our life. I, I know when I'm, when I'm struggling in life and I, I feel down and, uh, about things or whatever and just struggling in whatever area of my life, listen, I, I, if I'm truly honest and begin to examine my life and my walk with him, maybe my prayer life has slipped or I haven't been reading my Bible the way I have or I haven't been witnessing or sharing the gospel or I haven't been around other Christians. You know, sometimes I can isolate myself and that's a big deal for me in my walk with the Lord because other people encourage me in the Lord and I love being around other Christians and I find if I get like, if I'm getting down or frustrated in life and, and I pull myself away from people, it gets worse for me. It's like, it, it just never makes sense to me when people are going through a hard time and saying, well, life's just tough, so that's why we don't go to church. Like, hey, how, where you been? Well, we've just been going through some things. Listen, if you're going through some things, go to church, all right? If you're not going through some things, go to church. I mean, we need to be with other believers. That's something that I need in my life. But more than even that, I need to be with, with Christ, and listen, if I'm going to fl flourish and grow spiritually, I need to abide with the Lord. And so we see the relationship here. The Christian needs Christ. But we also see then that Christ wants us to bear fruit in our lives. You know, there should not be a, no, any such thing as a nominal Christian. You hear people say, well, they're just nominal Christians. What does that mean? Listen, Christ's desire for us in our life is that we bear fruit. And, and I truly believe if we're not bearing fruit, if we're not bearing fruit, if we're not bearing fruit in our life, then we're not prosperous. We're not gonna be peaceful. We're not gonna be content. And we're not gonna have the joy that God wants us to have in our life. And so the first question that we have to ask ourselves then, what is this fruit that he's talking about? What does it mean to, to, bear, to bear fruit? Look at verse 10, if you would. He says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And so for us to bear fruit, 
It's about obeying the commandments of Christ, particularly in the area of loving one another. You see, if you don't love others, you cannot say you're abiding in Christ. Because Jesus, about this, this whole passage, he's telling them, you have to love other people. This is my commandment for you. This is my expectation for you. And he says, if you are going to abide in me, then you must keep my commandments. And what is the primary commandment he's talking about? Loving other people. Now, now it's interesting. We want our life to be a certain way. And I believe God wants us to, our life to be a certain way. But you know, not everybody wants our lives to be that way. I've realized, you know, in life that uh, some people have a certain expectation of what my life ought to look like. And, you know, we kind of get wrapped up in that. You know, I cannot be concerned about what Mr. Plew, what Kevin thinks my life should look like. If, because if his view of what my life should look like doesn't match up with God's view, then I shouldn't be concerned with that. And we get so wrapped up in what other people think about us. But we also, in our own walk, we look at other people and say, you know what? Your life should be what? What do we, what do we say? Your life should be like my life. Listen, you should talk the way that I talk and walk the way that I walk and listen to the music that I listen to and eat the food that I eat. And, and listen, if you guys were on my diet, you'd go crazy because I don't eat bacon. So many of you would struggle like with that. And so, but, but we have this perspective about what our, life, what our life should be like, but we also have a perspective of what everybody else's life should look like. And so what, what we find ourselves is we find ourselves in turmoil because everybody else isn't listening to me and doing what I think they, they should do. And so as Jesus is writing them here, he's like, I want you to bear fruit, and this is what your life should look like. And here's the primary commandment, that you love one another. And so what we have is we'll have people that will read their Bible and they'll pray. We'll have people that will be in church and they'll be dressed appropriately and, and they'll go through all of the, the religious activity, but they're some of the meanest people in the world. They're, they're hateful, they're derogatory, they create friction and problems in their relationships. And, uh, but, but, but I'm spiritual because I'm here and I'm singing the hymns, but yet I'm backbiting and gossiping and, and I'm meanful, mean to people. I won't forgive people. I won't try to resolve our problems and all those type of things because it's all about me and getting my way instead of God's way. You see, God says, even the person that is the meanest to you in your life, even the person that you would view as your enemy, what does he say? Bless them. Bless them. What does he say? Love them. That's what we're supposed to do in our life. And so we cannot say, listen, we're abiding in Christ if we don't love other people. And listen, I understand some people are just very hard to love. But you know what? God says you're supposed to love them. Some people are hard to get along with. Guess what? God says you're supposed to love them. Well, then what does that look like? What does that look like for me to love? Jesus says, the verse we read, love as I have loved you. Well, how is that? Sacrificially. Jesus' love was sacrificial love. So he was willing to give up himself, to give up the glories of heaven, give up his own life for the benefit and the blessing of of others. You know, sometimes my wife and I might have a, have a disagreement. And in that moment, I know, you know 100% that she's right. You know that. 
I know in that moment 100% that I'm right. And I'm the only one in the room that knows that. I understand that. But I'm still going to be right. You know, but sometimes I have to give up myself in order for that relationship because I love her. Now, more often than not, she has to do that uh, for me because she is right. And she's just trying to show that she loves me. But we, you know, we have disagreements. But, you know, we work through them because we, we love each other. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's easier because we're, well, we're married, we're, we're related, we have, we're family. But that's the mindset that we're supposed to have for everybody. Hey, listen, if you and I have a disagreement, I'm willing to sacrifice my views for the benefit of showing you that I, that I love you. It's just the reality of, of the Christian life. You know, I was telling somebody this, this week, it's interesting that, People can talk to me however they want. They can be mean. They can be harsh to me. But as soon as I retaliate in like fashion, they're like, well, who do you think you are talking to me that way? Well, you're the pastor. You're not supposed to talk to me that way. And listen, they are correct. But more importantly than the fact that I'm the pastor is that I'm a Christian. And I'm not, I shouldn't be looking to retaliate and to, and to get my way. You know, and you hear me say it all the time, your actions do not determine my reactions in that moment. However you act, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, my reaction should be to love because that's what Jesus called me to do. And if we're abiding in Christ, we're going to love others. If we're loving others, we're going to abide in Christ. That's, that's the relationship that we have. And, we, and Jesus says to them, listen, I am the true vine. And, and all throughout the New Testament, he's trying to get this, this view and this understanding across that he is the only way to get to God and he's the only way to live our lives. And, and so what does he, what is the, are they telling him in Galatians? Paul says, listen, I'm struggling with the fact that you're, you're, you're going back to the old system. You're, you're going back to live under the law. And you come to the book of Hebrews and, and he says, listen, Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Abraham. Jesus is greater than Moses and the old system. Hey, listen, Jesus is greater than your law and your commandments that you've built up in your mind. And so God has called us to abide in Christ because he understands that's what's going to bring true prosperity, joy, and contentment, and peace in your life. And how do we abide in Christ? Well, we keep his commandments. Pri primarily the commandment that we're to, to love one another as Christ hath loved us. Now that's different than loving others as I love myself. That, that's, that's different. And so he's transitioned from that, that Old Testament commandment to now saying, listen, you're to love as I love and you're to be willing to sacrifice. So I truly believe that God wants you to be prosperous, have joy, peace, contentment in your life. But his way, uh, or his view of what that looks like is different than the world's view. And his way of getting there is different than the world's view. Now, I believe God wants those things for you. And he tells us, how do we get those? Abide in Christ. What does that mean? Keep his commandments. Walk in love and love others as Christ has loved you. Next week, we'll get to the second question in that passage. What does it mean to cut off or to prune and those type of things? And we'll finish up these first 11 verses. But I want to encourage you with this today. God loves you. 
So much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins. And listen, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, today is the day for you. Put your faith in him and receive the free gift of salvation. But God loves you so much that he wants what's best for you as believers. And Christ, want, he wanted what was best for his disciples as, they were get, as he was getting ready to go to the cross. He wanted what was best for them, even after he left and ascended to be back with the Father. He wanted what was best for them. And so as he's giving them this instruction, he says, now guys, you are clean. You have a relationship with me. You have a relationship with God. Now as you go through this life, abide in me. Abide in me and my love in you. How do we do that? Keep his commandments. Listen, obeying God and his word is not bad. I know that's what we have in this society. Being obedient, being obedient Christian, that's not a bad thing. That's what God calls us to do. That's what it means to, to abide in Christ. Well, I don't want what the Bible says. I just want Jesus. Listen, it doesn't work that way. They go hand in hand. I, I, don't, want, I don't care about other people. I just want God and Jesus. It, it doesn't work that way. It, life does not work that way. If we're going to abide in Christ, we have to keep his commandments, particularly loving one another. Loving one another. Now, as we finish, why, why, does, he, why does he emphasize that? I believe that almost everybody in this room, it's probably the greatest struggle that we have in, in our life. Most of us in this room, now I don't know all of you and what you do in secret and all that type of stuff. Most of you are, as far as I know, are not struggling with with alcohol or drug addictions, right? Many, even the most faithful Christians, we, we don't do drugs, we don't watch pornography, you know, we, you know, we read our Bible, you know, we, we, we do all of these things. But the biggest struggle that we have is our relationships with one another, loving other people. But he says, listen, I came because I love them. And if you're truly abiding in me, you're going to love other people. And you're, you're going to be willing to sacrifice your own rights, your own desires, your own views, your own positions. Now, I'm not talking about sacrificing theology and truth and doctrine and righteousness. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about, listen, my perspective might have to be pushed aside simply because, because I love you. And I want what's best for you. I want to obey the commandments of God. Abide in Christ. And you, I'm telling you, you would receive everything that you want in life. Hey, you'll still have hardships and tragedies and trials. That's the world we live in. But in the midst of those hardships and tragedies and trials, you can have joy and peace and contentment and you can continue to prosper spiritually and grow because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Abide in Christ. Keep his commandments. Love one another. And I'm telling you, it will change your life.